The Triathlon Show 298. Up everybody and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and on today's episode I interview Dr. José Ramón Leo. Dr. Leo is a PhD and a researcher at the University of Alicante and in this interview we discuss his study where he has investigated whether the functional threshold power or FTP as measured by taking 95% of your average 20 minute power from a 20 minute all out time trial how that compares to actual maximum lactate steady state as measured in a lab and also other physiological markers like the ventilatory thresholds measured in a gas exchange test so that's all really interesting and we'll get some practical recommendations regarding testing both in the field and in the lab at uh, from from this episode but before that big thanks to our sponsors First, we have Roka, that are the world-leading manufacturers of exceptional quality triathlon wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, performance sunglasses, as well as prescription eyeglasses and sunglasses. Roka was born as a project to create the world's fastest wetsuit, and today Roka has a large range of wetsuits, including the super-fast Maverick X2 wetsuit with uh, plenty of innovations, uh, including the ArmSoft technology, which is patented, but also the core exoskeleton that helps with power transfer from the hip to the upper body to create the most efficient swim stroke possible. But Roka is not just about the flagship models and the high-end wetsuits, but they have something for everybody, including entry-level wetsuits that still have their remarkable arms up technology that help you get maximum mobility in your wetsuit, especially when combined with a Roka tri-suit that where all of Roka's tri-suits also have this arms up technology. If you're somebody that struggles with flotation, for example, and you tend to be a really heavy leg sinker, so to say, then the max buoyancy wetsuit from Roka could be the choice for you. It has even more buoyancy than the flagship Maverick X2 wetsuit, even though the price is very much in the mid-range of wetsuits. And it is in all other uh, aspects as well, a fantastic wetsuit that uh, I use for most of my training, to be honest. And then I use the Maverick X2 mostly for racing. You can get 20% off your entire Roka order on roka.com forward slash TTS. And thank you to Senate that you can find on senateswimtrainer.com. The Senate Swim Trainer is an inflatable swim bench that you can use to complement your pool swim training and your open water swim training, uh, either if you are time crunched and just need a little bit of additional uh, swim stimulus frequency. Also, if you have specific needs to develop, for example, technique, working on a high elbow catch or core stability, the Senate Swim Trainer is great for those. And also for working on pure power and uh, stamina you can get quite a lot of work done in a fairly short time on dry land because the resistance is uh, quite heavy when using stretch cords but the difference with normal stretch cords where you're just standing and maybe leaning forward is that on the senate swim trainer you will actually do it specifically in the face down position of actual freestyle and or front crawl swimming so it is much more specific as a movement than what you would be doing traditionally with just having the stretch cords hanging and you standing and pulling on them 
currently Zen 8 are running a summer sale and this lasts until mid-August so by the time this episode is out it will probably only be maybe a week or so to go so I really encourage you to check it out as soon as you possibly can after hearing this because with the summer sale you can get an additional discount on zenatefilmtrainer.com for slash TTS taking your total discount to more than 40% when you purchase the swim trainer so there really has never been a better time to get the Senate swim trainer done now, than now. Now without any further ado let's get into the interview with Jose Ramon Leo. Welcome to that triathlon show Jose how are you doing? Fine, thank you. How do you do? I, I, I'm doing good, thanks. Uh, can you start by telling us uh, where you're located and uh, give us an introduction of yourself, what you're, what you're working with, what's your background in endurance sports and so on? Yeah. So actually I'm living in, uh, in Spain, in the East Coast, Alicante. Uh, um, I don't know. I I don't know how to introduce myself. I mean, I just uh, consider myself as a sports fan, you know, who um, uh, enjoys practicing sports all my life. I'm doing something first, uh, like most of us, um, um, by uh, you know, in, in in team sports and. Uh, and for a lot of uh, for a lot of years, um, doing uh, bike bike or riding or triathlons, I have lot of experience and in all distances in triathlons uh, and race. Uh, I, I mean, running or, or or riding or cycling. But then I realized that I need to you know uh, to make uh, something else, and I prepare myself, I enroll in coaching courses and, uh, you know, in, in, um, in, a, in, a, in a PhD at the university. And I, you know, I, I, my, my vision of the sport changed. So, uh, but I'm still the same person. I mean, a fan, I just um, someone who loves sports, especially endurance sports. Tell us about the what type of research have you been doing at the university? Yeah, uh, my PhD was focused on specifically on cyclists, uh, endurance. Uh, first, we validate uh, different tools. Um, we validated uh, an ergometer, uh, the cyclist hammer, and then uh, power tap uh, pedals because we needed to. We needed some tools, reliable tools, to our uh, next step, you know. And then we try to focus on uh, analyzing uh, time to session. Uh, um, what uh, you know, different time trials like twenty minutes time trials or FTP, functional threshold power. Uh, and his its relationship with uh, time to exhaustion in cyclists specifically. And then uh, uh, time, to ex time, time to exhaustion is is that what you're what what you were saying? Yes, time to yep. exhaustion, time limit. You know. Yep. And then something to, uh, related to uh, strength and you know some kind, but all related to endurance, cyclists, 
specifically in Durastra cyclists. Yeah. One, one study that, uh, that I found which led me to contact you is uh, where you investigated uh, uh, FTP uh, and the uh, conventionally used FTP testing protocol and how it compares to, for example, the maximum lactate steady state. Yeah. And uh, you, you did a lot of, of things in that, in that study. So, um, but before we go into discussing ex- exactly what you did and what you found, let's first discuss uh, for those listeners that may not be aware, uh, talk about how is functional threshold power FTP conventionally tested in as per Kogan and Allen, who were the inventors of the of the test. Yeah, yeah. But traditionally, um, after the appearance of uh, power meters in the market, uh, probably uh, um, just uh, so, uh, around the two thousand. Um, these specifically these authors proposed to make something, some, some test, uh, easy to you know to perform. Uh, and they perform to make a test of twenty minutes in in the field, uh, specifically for cyclists. But uh, since some years uh, until now, even some runners has uh, have uh, you know. Uh, adapted this test because uh, uh, probably as uh, like most of you know, uh, there are uh, power meter for running. But the original, the original proposal was a twenty minute time trial in the field because these authors considered that uh, at a specific intensity. That later we consider that they probably they refer to the maximum lactate steady state. Um, they consider that this uh, intensity uh, uh, could allow cyclists to pedal for around sixty minutes until exhaustion, uh, and then he, they decided that six minutes a time trial or six minutes is very demanding, especially if you need to, you know. Uh, do it regularly, so they decided to shorten this uh, time trial to a twenty-minute time trial with a, a specific um, uh, coefficient to adapt. They proposed it applying a ninety percent of the original uh, and the average of the power output achieved in these twenty minutes. N- Ninety-five percent. Ninety-five right. percent. Sorry, ninety-five yeah, percent. Yeah. Uh, they apply. They they propose that ninety-five percent in terms of power output and ninety-eight percent in terms of her rate. You know, um, that's the original proposal. Yep, and uh, and one one thing as well that you will that we will discuss more is the warm up cr- protocol. They had a specific warm up protocol. So can you briefly discuss that uh, that protocol as well? Yes. Yeah, these authors proposed a quite demanding uh, warming up, including uh, about 30 minutes of physical riding, then three, uh, three, uh, one minute, one minute, um, uh, very, uh, I mean, um, in, uh, very demanding um, um, protocols. Again, five minutes uh, easy, and then a five-minute time trial, 
which is a really quite uh, tough, quite tough time trial just for just warming up. And then after 40, 45 minutes, uh, finally we're ready to start the, 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 the I mean, the, the main time trial, uh, 20 minutes. So we considered that it was quite demanding uh, because some cyclists uh, started the main test very, very tired. So we decided that perhaps uh, could be interesting to check an easier uh, warming up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so to summarize, uh, for the listeners, you would, in that long warm up, you would have a five minute all out time trial even before you get started with your the the actual 20 minute time trial and then taking 95 percent of your average power for the 20 minute time trial would be that functional threshold power which uh, would kind of estimate your maximum lactate steady state and uh, let's get on to that then what what is maximum lactate steady state or uh, i should say how is it measured it's it's the uh, we we have talked about maximum lactate steady state a lot on this podcast so we don't need to go into that too yeah. much but but how do you actually measure it yeah so maximum lactate steady state is uh, an intensity the last intensity w- when um metabolic situation of uh subjects in this case cyclists could be considered stable we knew that is not totally stable but in terms of lactate uh, production, um, the, uh, the, um, the cyclic metabolism control this production, so they, f- they start and finish the, uh, the trial, in this case, at a stable situation. The problem is that to determine this specific um, um, intensity, which is probably the most important in terms of uh, long duration endurance. Uh, uh, the problem is uh, that we need several tests uh, divided in uh, tests of 30 minutes uh, and introspected by rest of at least 48 hours. So it's a very demanding test, 30 minutes test, and you need to rest 48 hours. Uh, so, and you need to, between two and three tests at least to, um, you know, to uh, accurately determine this intensity. So that's why this author suggested that probably there were uh, some, or there was some easy time trial to, uh, uh, to uh, estimate this intensity, you know? Yep. Yep. So you would go into a lab several times and do a 30-minute uh, effort where your lactate would be measured. And then once you find uh, the correct, the the power where you're uh, at, at the time trial where your lactate is more or less stable, there is a, a specific definition for that. That's where you have your power at maximum lactate steady yeah. state, essentially. Yeah. That, that, in fact, uh, each, of one, each of these 30-minute tests, we control lactate during uh, specifically at minute 10 and minute 30. And we check if there are more than one millimole per liter uh, of difference. If subjects are in this range, we consider that they are stable. If 
if uh, cyclists, uh, you know, uh, we get some, um, uh, 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 we, we test the lactate and we realize that the, the, the concentration is higher, we decided, or, or uh, I mean, literature decide that they are in an, I mean, in an unstable situation. So you you have to adjust the the load to control you know this uh, concentration. So it's it's quite difficult. It's quite difficult and it's quite demanding for yep. cyclists. Yep, yep. So so your study then. Uh, can you describe what what were your objectives? What were the things you're trying to find out in your study, and and, and how did you do it? What methods did you use? Yeah, um, we knew that we consider maximum lactate steady state as a gold standard. As uh, but we knew how difficult testing this specific intensity was. So we wonder at the beginning if FTP really represent uh, the intensity of uh, MLSS, you know. So we wonder, uh, we, we try to uh, confirm the first, the reliability of the 20-minute time trial, uh, despite the fact that we knew, because they, they're, they're, at that time there was just, uh, there was at least one uh, research that confirm that it's a, is really reliable. I mean, you get uh, if you do the twenty minute time trial uh, in um, uh, in two different days, uh, the result in the same situation, the results are very similar. So we knew that it was reliable, but we we try to um, confirm that this point with. We didn't know because nobody uh, at that time uh, had confirmed this point. We didn't know where the the result of the twenty minute time trial where was it located uh, compared with the main physiological events of the aerobic uh, uh, way. I mean, uh, 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 ventilatory threshold one, ventilatory threshold two. Uh, maximal aerobic power, maximal lactate, steady state. At that po- at that time, no- nobody has uh, had confirmed that po- that re- these relationships. So it was our second aim. And okay, let's see that uh, we can consider that there are relationship. I mean, uh, but how we how we how, how are able? How we are able of? Uh, so, uh, I mean, uh, detecting the maximum lactate steady state with just one time trial, twenty minutes, in an easy way. I mean, with an equation, with just yeah, just a just a percentage of a, a coefficient. Yeah. yeah, we try to look something, some, uh, some, uh, some easy way for practitioner or for coaches or for researcher to uh, you know uh, determine this uh, intensity you know? yeah so so how you did it um, you had subjects do both 
maximum lactic steady state tests and the 20 minute time trial. And also you did a graded exercise test with uh, ventilatory threshold uh, measurements and maximum aerobic power measurements. And, uh, and, and then you, you compared these different, uh, the data and, and so found the correlations and the coefficients, how they relate to each other. Um, how, how many, how many cyclists did you have in the study and, and what was their training status? Uh, we started the the study with eleven uh, cyclists, uh, triathletes, and cyclists um, with a minimum of uh, five, uh, fifty-five milliliter kilo a minute uh, of VO two max. Uh, in the average, it, it, they were uh, about uh, sixty milliliters kilo minute of uh, VO two max. They came into the lab for seven eight. Uh, visit each one. Um, we control a uh, lot of variables. I mean, uh, we control in uh, hydration, rest. Uh, of course, not that they were uh, free of any kind of drugs or you know coffee or such uh, such a different uh, exciting um, substances. Um, Temperature of the lab, you know, wind by using a fan. You know, in, in the lab, you can control all these things and you need to do it if you want to make reproducible, um, reliable results, you know. Yep. And uh, and then if we go into the results then, so, well, you mentioned already that you wanted to assess the the reliability of the 20-minute time trial. So, so how... Uh, how similar results you get on two separate days in when you control for all those variables. So, so what did you find there? Is it reliable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, uh, as we, uh, as we thought, uh, twenty minute time trial. It's a very reliable test. I mean, if you control the same variables, if you control uh, cyclist uh, recovery or you know ingestion or uh, hydration, so. Uh, you will get a very similar results, which is very important when you use a, a time trial to control the performance. I mean, they improve or the or, or you know or, or the or the loss of performance. So we can confirm uh, that this is a very reliable test. Yeah, yeah. Just to clarify what you were saying there for for the listeners is that if you if you have a test where which is not reliable, you have an, a margin of error that is quite big, then you can't really measure improvement because if there's if there's a chance that your result will be, let's say, 7 or 8% lower or higher on any given day, then if you improve by 7 or 8%, you, you don't necessarily know that because it could also be the it's yeah. within the error margin of the test. So you need something which has low margins of error uh, so, so that you can actually... Uh, monitor your yeah. improvements i mean i mean the results must be could be just a, a matter of luck you know you could consider you could consider that there are uh, you know an improvement but in fact there is no improvement at all it's just luck because exactly you know yeah. that's the point it's important to know that your test is reproducible it's reliable in order to be sure that what you are uh, proposing to the uh, cyclist in this case makes him or her to improve. Yeah. 
And uh, then uh, this one will be really interesting, I think, for a lot of listeners. Where does the 20-minute time trial or the FTP protocol, so 95% of the 20-minute uh, average power, where does that sit compared to the MLSS? I, you, you mean where tests were performed? Yeah, how, it, how it relates? How do they how do they relate? How does the twenty minute test relate to the to the analysis? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, and uh, in terms of uh, statistical, we must say that it's very there are a high correlation. It means that if you uh, your MLSS improve, probably your 20-minute time trial power output improve. But the point is, how far are those uh, these uh, specific uh, results? I mean, are, there, are they comparable? I mean, you can use one or another, uh, you know, so it's, it's the point. So in this case, despite the fact that the original author suggested uh, a reduction of five uh, percent. I mean, a, co- a coefficient of zero point ninety five to correct and to compare. We detected that, in fact, it was uh, overestimating the real maximal lactate steady state. So we considered that, and we've proved uh, that uh, it would be better to apply a correction factor of zero point ninety one. Even there are different, uh, nowadays there are two, at least two uh, more uh, papers who uh, uh, suggest applying a more conservative, I mean, about 0.90 of uh, correction factor uh, to be sure that you don't overcome the maximum lactate steady state intensity. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't have your paper in front of me here now, but uh, you had a, a, a figure that showed the results of all the participants. And so you can see, well, what is the variability? Is there somebody who is at 100% or somebody is at 80%? But that wasn't the case. It really seemed that most people were within that sort of 91 plus minus 2% or so. I think there was one person maybe that was at 95%, but that was the highest uh, yeah, right. of all of them. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so it really seemed quite consistent. They're closely, quite, quite tightly bound around that ninety-one percent. Yeah. You mean? Uh, I mean, I mean, um, in a statistical terms, you could say that uh, with uh, interval confidence interval of ninety uh, percent. I mean, we are pretty sure that ninety uh, percent of the subjects. Uh, could be, might be between 0.9 and 0.93, you know? Yep. So, uh, but there are always some specific subjects who are out of these uh, normal features. In our, it's true, in our uh, uh, paper, we realized that there, were, there was one subject which relationship was... Uh, 0.88 and the other which relationship was 0.95 this is very important because it's something that normally we miss, I mean we forget, we know that everyone 
reacts in a different way. Every people has their his um, own profile. But then when you read um, a paper, you know, it seems that is it's everything easier than in fact it is. No, I mean, um, it's important to individualize because every human being and every, uh, I mean, animal uh, reacts in a different way and uh, in front of an stimulus, you know? Yeah. And, and from a training and coaching perspective, I would say that, okay, if you're the individual that is really your MLSS is 95% or 20 minute power, but you, but you choose to take because you don't know your individual correlation because you haven't done an MLS test, test 91% or 92%, that's probably going to be fine for training anyway. But maybe if you're that person that is at really your MLSS is only 88% of your 20 minute power, but you use a threshold that is, uh, that is a bit higher, you use a, co- a coefficient that is higher, 91 or 92%, then that's still potentially going to be, uh, not not ideal for you to think that your threshold is is higher than you are i i as a coach at least personally always think that it's better to underestimate than to than to overestimate but but i think the the example there that you you gave it it's just to illustrate that um you you can have these formulas and uh, even from studies like yours from research but you still need to remember that there's an individual behind everything and and you can go yeah, it, there's there's more than you can do than just apply the latest and most validated formula. You you really need to look into the individual at the end of the day. Yeah, you, I agree. I mean, I think it's better to underestimate than overestimate, especially in this uh, intensity. I mean, because the the, the main factor here is the uh, this you know limit concentration of lactate. Uh, so. If you overestimate just for 8, 10 watts, it will produce that instead of uh, pedaling for 30 minutes, or I mean, or, or when you test the, the uh, uh, exhaustion at that specific intensity, we, we uh, got different subjects who uh, are uh, achieved to pedal for uh, nearly 90 minutes at this specific intensity, maximal lactate, steady state. But just 8, 10 watts over here, they couldn't, they barely, they couldn't uh, uh, pedal for 30 minutes. Some of them had to stop. So if you, if you have some doubt, I suggest to underestimate no matter 10, 15 uh, bats, because the stimulus is quite similar, uh, but you don't produce this acidosis uh, which uh, could, could impair the real performance. I mean, the re- the, to, I mean you need to, that the, your cyclists uh, perform your workout. So if you overestimate, probably you will have problem to, or he has, she will, have problem to finish the workout, you know. So yes, I suggest be conservative uh, and considering an 80 per- eighty-eight or a ninety percent of uh, or coefficient, uh, 
specifically if you try to stimulate the maximum lactate steady state. Yep. Um, one thing that we should discuss here is the warm-up. So, so in the study, you had a shorter warm-up than the original protocol and less intense warm-up. You didn't have that five-minute uh, all-out time trial. Uh, so, of course, there was one reason that you had that, I think, is to just well validate this easier test protocol, which is uh, easier to do, less stressful on the body to do. But I guess the argument is that uh, also that it's not exactly the same as the original protocol. So maybe it was right for the original protocol to be 95% because people were already very tired from the five-minute all-out time trial. So what, what do you think about that? Yeah, could be. Could be. Uh, there are people who need, uh, in order to, be, to feel confident, need a uh, longer warming up. It's true. In this case, uh, of course, we needed to compare both warming ups. I mean, the, the warming up uh, use it for uh, determining the maximum lactate steady state, and the warming the warming up uh, use it to do the time trial, the twenty minute time trial. So, if you want to compare, you have to, you know, share the same warming up. Um, besides, we consider that probably. Um, uh, uh, um, you know, a weak point in the original warm-up is that uh, not everyone starts the 20-minute time trial in the same recovery level, depending on the, on the, you know, how hard the warm-up has been, no? So probably in this way, we, I mean, we are sure uh, uh, we are not worried about the VO2 max level or the experience of the cyclists or, you know, or the kind of uh, muscle fibers the cyclists that we are testing could have. We consider that in this way, we uh, were pretty sure that all started in a, a you know, recovery status, a, pro- a proper recovery status. But Furthermore, there are um, an interesting uh, paper of a uh, researcher, of uh, Spanish researcher called Barranco, Barranco Gil and, and Coles, uh collaborators. Um, they tested the same test. Uh, I think it was published last year. They tested the same test, a 20-minute time trial, but comparing to three different uh, warming ups. The first one was the traditional. The second one uh, were 10 minutes, uh, I'm not sure, 10 minutes at 60% of the maximal aerobic, aerobic power. And the third option was starting the time, tri- the time trial without warming up. And uh, surprisingly, the result proved that uh, results in the power output, the mean power output of the 20-minute time trial were quite similar. So Interesting. According to these authors, uh, uh, there's no relationship between the, the warming up and the result of the test. I don't know. Interesting. It could be confirmed yep. with hypothesis. I don't know. 
Yep, that that is that is very very interesting to hear, and uh, and I'll try to look up that paper and put that in the show notes, uh, as uh, I will also put your uh, links to your papers in the uh, in the show notes for the episode. Um, but yeah, if if that is the case, if the different warmups really produce a very similar power, then of course it makes more sense to do a shorter warm up and easier warm up, or in most cases it does anyway because. Uh, you don't have to spend as much time on, on it and you potentially don't have to dig yourself as deep of a hole by doing an additional time trial there. I've, a five-minute time trial really can be quite quite taxing. So so I think that's that's really interesting information. Yeah, I, 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 there are an additional point is that sometimes this five-minute time trial, uh, this all-out, I mean, it's a very demanding test that mo- a lot of um, uh, coaches use as a predictor, as a way of uh, establish the uh, maximal, uh, sorry, maximal aerobic uh, power uh, intensity. So in this way, using this warming up, you could get two different events. I mean, the event that you are looking for, I mean, the maximal lactate steady state and the maximal aerobic power intensity. But in fact, and as I've been proved in cycling, uh, the time to exhaustion at, at MAP, at maximal aerobic power, uh, barely uh, uh, overcome the four minutes. And in some cyclists, I mean, it's more uh, between three and four minutes. So five minutes is not really useful. So yep. it's produced a uh, a really, uh, you know, extreme fatigue previous to the main test, which is that is uh, 20 minutes, and don't it doesn't give you this additional information. You know, I, I think it's easier to use uh, at least not so tough uh, warm up. You know, um, if your cyclist feels more confident, so. Okay, you can use a longer warming up, but in terms of aerobic uh, development, not in terms of, you know, very demanding efforts. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I would agree with that, definitely. And uh, and also there's an argument that um, there, there are some cases where MAP, maximum aerobic power, knowing knowing that could be useful, but I would argue, and this is just my personal opinion, that it is much less useful for training prescription than knowing your maximum lactate steady state because even when doing high-intensity interval training, you would often set a workout and the cyclist goes and does the workout at their best possible effort. Let's say they're doing 15 times one minute, uh, one minute on, one minute off, and then they just do the best they can for 15 times one minute on, one minute off. You don't have to say that it's this is at MAP or 95% of MAP or anything like that. The, you... And my personal preference, and I want to emphasize that, that is, this is just my personal opinion, but MAP has quite limited usefulness in, in practical application in, in training, even though it's, of course, very, very useful for being able to standardize things and intensities in, in research settings. So, so that's where it's super useful. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, um, actually, this kind of intensities are so linked with uh, recovery situation recovery status. I mean, we can uh, estimate the maximum lactate steady state today uh, 
right now, but if you go out here in Spain with 10 degrees uh, over, you know, the, the temperature where you, uh, when you estimated that ma maximum electricity state, uh, the threshold, the intensity has changed. And it's well known. I mean, or if you go to a lab and you do um, a full test for, to know your uh, thresholds, then if you are tired because yesterday trained trained very hard or you are, you know, you don't slept well or you, you know, or you are, or, or they're really uh, cold today or they're really warm, this threshold have changed. So probably, yes, it's true, this kind of test are really useful to test in a specific point if you, how your performance uh, improve or not, you know, more than using like fixes, um, you know, static mm. points. Yep, yep. Yeah, got it. Uh, yeah, and, and definitely, yeah, I agree. Uh, we've both been up watching the Olympic triathlon late last night and just slept four or five hours. So so today, if either one of us is going out and doing a threshold workout, our threshold is probably, it probably makes sense to keep the power down a bit compared to what we would normally do, <laughs> I would say. Yes, they were affected, all of them. Uh, actually, the difference is it's, uh, how they be bear these uh, temperatures. I mean, Actually, who uh, one who uh, better, uh, you know, adapted and who uh, less, uh, you know, um, who uh, less performance, uh, um, um, you know, I don't know how to say, no, but actually the, the point is, may, yeah, may, yeah, the minimal minimal performance decrease. Yes, uh, that's the point for, for the hit. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, one other question that I have uh, is: so, so you also measured the second, well, the second and the first ventilatory threshold in these cyclists and compared that, and you found that the well, the second ventilatory threshold uh, was it was actually higher, I think, than the twenty-minute uh, average power, not just the ninety-five percent or the ninety ninety-one percent, but higher than even the twenty-minute. Power, uh, or do I misremember that? But it was it was quite high. Can you can you discuss a bit around the second ventilatory threshold and, and how that relates to the twenty minute time trial? Actually, we knew uh, that the second threshold it's uh, located over this time trial. I mean, twenty minute time trial result. Uh, actually, the time trial, the twenty minute time trial result, the power output, the mean power output. Uh, It's, lo it's uh, located between maximum lactate state and uh, BT2, you know, yeah. and it is well known. And there are a huge difference. I mean, we are, we are talking of 40, 50 uh, watts of difference between both. It is well known. Uh, besides, we, uh, we tested in a different paper, we tested the time to exhaustion at this both intensity, I mean, MLSS and VT2. And results were extremely different. I mean, subjects at ML, ML, uh, uh, maximum lactate steady state uh, were able to perform between 60 and 90 minutes until exhaustion. Uh, but on the contrary, a VT2, the, on average, 
they only perform for 11 minutes. Why? Because the, uh, uh, the uh, I mean, uh, the uh, f- limit factors are different. I mean, when you talk about VT2 or, you know, riding a VT2, the limiting factor is the acidosis. I mean, the quantity of acid lactate that it's in, lo- in your blood and how your uh, body deal with this uh, situation. On the contrary, maximum lactate state, um, the, uh, the limiting factor is the, this, the, the uh, disponibility, disponibility of um, glycogen. I mean, you know, you have under control the lactic acid, so you will be cycling, pedaling, while your body has uh, glycogen in the muscles, you know. Yep. So yep. they are so different that they, they cannot be compared. Despite that, yep. probably there are a lot of researchers who nowadays, this are, you know, there are sometimes big arguments about this. But for us, it's a very clear difference. Yeah, and, and I want to draw the attention to this because, uh, and I might have probably said this myself in some podcast, uh, but um, it's often used interchangeably. Like we say that, oh, MLSS is roughly the same as VT2 and it's roughly the same as LT2. They're all roughly the same. They're not exactly the same, but they're roughly the same. But actually, uh, VT2, uh, as as we saw, can be very, very much higher. And uh, and it's it's something that I get emails about every once in a while uh, from somebody who has done a, a lab test, a graded exercise test, and they say that, well, this VT2, it doesn't seem to make sense. I can't I, I can't ride that hard for, for very long or it's way higher than my perceived threshold. And, uh, and and it is it is like that because, as you say, the, the limiting factors are different. You might, in a ventilatory perspective you are fine you're at or below your or you're at your threshold you're not above your threshold but from a metabolic uh, uh, substrate use perspective you are using so much um, using so much anaerobic energy and producing so much acidosis that uh, that yeah you're limited in that way so i think that was interesting uh, uh, to know to, to see in your study and to see the comparison that that actually vt2 can can be at a really really high power but also it makes you think that is there really much practical use for vt2 uh again in research yes maybe there is use to standardize things and so on but in in practice in training if you go to a lab and do a, a test and you get your vt2 would would you use it for anything yes i mean um i think all these events all these uh uh, intensities are important, but depending on the speciality. I mean, if you if you are a runner and you run the mile, probably there's no point to know exactly where the maximum lactate steady state is because in your competition, you won't be near that intensity. You really need to know where your maximal aerobic power is. Yep. That is the intensity you are going to, you, you must focus. In the case of, for example, of uh, um, mountain bike bikers, uh, especially in rally, in the Olympic distance, where um, uh, the, the races are very demanding. 
but they don't uh, um, pedal for 60 minutes at the same intensity. I mean, they have uh, different accelerations, different short uh, efforts of three, four, five, six minutes. So it's important to know where the VT2 is, uh, even more important than the maximum lactate steady state. You know, that's, I mean, that's uh, what I mean. I mean, it's important or not, depending on your speciality. Yeah, that, 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 makes, that makes sense. That, ma that makes sense to me. Um, the final question that I, that I have is that uh, what other tests would you, uh, or what testing uh, do you recommend for coaches and athletes to use? And you can recommend several if you think that it makes sense to do many tests. Uh, and uh, what field tests do you think would be good to do? What lab tests, if any, do you think would be good to do? What, what's your take? If you're an athlete or you're a coach, what, what do you recommend yeah. to others to do? Uh, look, I, I, I mean, it's quite useful nowadays in cycling, professional cycling. Make some, uh, you know, ventilation tests, I mean, with, uh, with a gas, you know, with a mask and so on, to know uh, the specific characteristic of the cyclist. But then during the year, uh, sometimes some cyclists uh, perform uh, some time trial like the 20 minutes because it's easy to do. Uh, you can do it in a, uh, in a workout as a part of the workout and you, you, you can control, you know, how your uh, working out is or your um, program is, uh, is going, you know. Yep. Um, but nowadays, you know, that some, in, in this case, in cyclists, for example, in, in, in road cyclists, especially in uh, elite, in professionals, they use uh, their profile uh, because they compete a lot and they make uh, really high efforts uh, nearly every week. So you don't, they don't need to make a test. I mean, there's not just one test. There are different tests. Uh, it, this test must be uh, adapted to your uh to your, you know, speciality, to your really to your demands in competition demands, you know. So I don't, I don't, I don't suggest a test, just a test. I, I think it's a matter of, you know, uh, decide what it's the the one uh, that better fits with the specific uh, speciality and be um, and being, uh, you know, uh, uh, constant. You know, I mean, repeat the same test in order to be to 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 be able to compare. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think it's very individual, uh, and and it might also have to be do not just with the with a specific discipline or specialty, but also the the type of athlete. If you think that the athlete, and this is speaking from a coach's perspective, but sometimes uh, I might have a feeling that uh, that an athlete uh, might be, let's say. We, we want to have some more metabolic data and then a lactate test would be a, a good thing to do. And and in other cases, it might be more interesting to figure out, well, are we, how far from the limit is this athlete in terms of uh, their current VO2 max versus what we are doing? And then uh, a gas exchange test might be, might be useful. And in other cases, we're really mostly interested in 
performance readiness for an event and then some some field test might be the the best thing to do so so yeah there are very different uh, yeah. many different scenarios and contexts uh-huh. uh, and I, th- I think the most important thing is that yeah, when when you do a test you should know why you're doing it and what actionable information you're you're getting out of it you should you should already have a have a hypothesis for how you can use the information from the test to better uh, inform your training yeah that's the point i mean for example, uh, we were we had been talking about the triathlon developed uh, 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 yesterday evening. You no, know? yeah. Imagine in that situation, could be it has uh, it could be very interesting to know how your cyclist or your triathlete uh, perform in a, a specific uh, temperature or humidity. Uh, to control, uh, you know, the the real performance. I mean, you could be the best uh, cyclist of the world, but if you are not really adapted or you make an effort that you are not uh, able to support, to uh, to bear with, you know, uh, in the competition, then you probably uh, could be, uh, you know, overcome your limits. So that's the point. I mean, you you need to focus. You need to be clear uh, what you want, what you need to, to know, what you want to test, and be consistent. Yeah, and, that, and that's the Olympics yesterday is a great example. Just for the listeners, we're recording this when the men's race happened yesterday. The women's race hasn't happened yet as we're recording this, but Christian Blumenfeld took the gold medal. And uh, I don't know, Jose, if you, you're aware, but I have interviewed the Norwegian coach, Adil Tveiten, a couple of times on the podcast. And the Norwegian triathletes, they test a lot and they do a lot of very interesting specific testing they had done a lot of testing in the heat and humidity as you mentioned they also do a lot of testing for example run testing after having done hard swimming and hard biking to simulate well what is your fatigue resistance like so so that specific this specific olympic gold medal from christian blumenfeld is a great example that testing can be useful when you when you do it right when you know what you're doing and you you apply the information correctly you're right you're right interesting yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's all the questions I had uh, for you regarding the study. Uh, let's just uh, finish up with the rapid fire questions. So uh, please answer these in just one sentence and uh, uh, per question. And the first one is, what's your favorite book, blog, or resource related to endurance sports? Uh, there's not just a book, but um, I, I would say two different, if possible. Um, yep. The first one is uh, the one, I mean, the I mean, uh, the Bible of physiology called Exercise Physiology of Sharon Plowman and Dennis Smith, which is uh, obviously um, a really um, important publication. But I would like to recommend a second one, but I'm not sure that it's in English. It's called um, uh, The Execution Speed as a Reference for the Programming Control and Evaluation of the strength of an author called uh, Gonzalo Badillo, in a Spanish in a Spanish uh, a professor uh, who introduced uh, uh, twenty years ago this uh, control of strength by velocity by speed. You know, it's mm. very interesting, easy to read, and I don't know. 
It's, uh, I don't yeah, that's, that sounds very interesting. Uh, we do have uh, Spanish listeners and Spanish-speaking listeners, so so I'll try to find that book and uh, and put it in the show notes as well. Um, what's a personal habit that's helped you achieve success? I think the main point here is always the same: consist- con- con- uh, consistency. I mean, uh, um, to, you know, in, in every um, aspect of life, train, train, work, work. You know, uh, build over your building. Uh, be constant is the point. I mean, yep, absolutely. And finally, who's somebody that you look up to or that has inspired you? Uh, of course, I, I have to say that uh, um, Dr. Garcia Pallares, who was my thesis director, who is a really hard worker. Uh, incredibly hard worker, but I will also mention uh, Ricardo Mora, who is a, a professor in the University of Castilla-La Mancha, who is what I really consider um, a, a researcher. I mean, a brilliant, simple, honest worker, hard worker, you know. Um, I mean, they are both uh, really reference for uh, yeah. all of us. Brilliant. And uh, finally, um, if listeners want to follow your work, what is the best place to do that? Is it Twitter or ResearchGate or, or anywhere else that people can follow you? Yeah, they they uh, they can see it, uh, search in ResearchGate my my paper, my publication, my thesis, my you know, uh, I I have um, I mean uh, I have a Twitter user, but I don't use it too much, so. Probably yeah. research gate is the the point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Uh, thank you so much, Jose. It was uh, great to to chat to you. A pleasure. A pleasure to to talk with you. Uh, really, ho- a honor to talk with you uh, in a really interesting podcast. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Leo. Uh, I think that the conclusion of this episode is really simple and practical. For me, it is that a lot of athletes use functional threshold power or FTP as an anchor point for their training zones or their power targets. And uh, in many cases, that is a decent way to go about things. But uh, the problem is often that the 95% of 20-minute power really does overestimate your actual maximum lactate steady state significantly. You're not at a steady state usually at that 95% of 20-minute power. So so it's biased towards higher intensities when you use that as your anchor point. So instead of doing that, using a more conservative correction factor around 90%, as we discussed, will result in much more accurate training targets that actually represent what you think that you are training. That if you are training your threshold, you really are still on that threshold where you are training in a more or less steady state, semi-steady state at least. I have personally for many years used 92 or maybe 93% rather than 95% in those cases where I have used classic FTP testing with athletes that I coach. And if you have been using the scientific triathlon training plans, you've seen that we're using those coefficients as well in the 92 to 93% range. But no doubt going forward, I will take the information we have presented here today and start using 90% as a better estimate of MLSS. And uh, just again, coming back to that principle, it's better to be a little bit conservative, even if you personally 
might be spot on with using 92 or 93 percent 90 percent is not going to be a problem but 95 percent could be still be a problem so i recommend if you are a self-coached athlete that you do that as well that's a very warm recommendation from myself uh, just keep in mind you might have to change your perception of intensities and types of workouts a bit if you're used to struggling to do six times four minutes at threshold and that now that feels like a breeze well it is because that's what threshold should feel like and maybe threshold training isn't as much about doing six times four minutes uh, as it is about doing maybe some more total time at, at intensity in that particular example that's it for my conclusion i'll just mention of course that as usual you can find the show notes on scientifictriathlon.com with links to studies mentioned and also the book mentioned by uh, dr leo and uh, if you are looking for coaching services or training plans do check out scientifictriathlon.com and what we have to offer there uh, if you are looking to take your training and performance to the next level uh, getting the help of professionals to help you do that is really the best thing you can do uh, so i hope that we can help you out and you consider us if you're in the market for coaching or training plans finally big thanks to our sponsors roca that you can find on roca.com Check out their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear, and prescription glasses and sunglasses, and get 20% off your order with the promo code that you can get on roca.com forward slash TTS. And thank you to Senate that you can find on senateswimtrainer.com. Use the swim trainer to improve your technique, power, and stamina, and increase your swim stimulus frequency even when you can't go to the pool or open water. You can get more than 40% off your order until mid-August, so ending very soon, when you combine the current summer sale with the discount code that you can get on senateswimtrainer.com forward slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving craft on.